passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the long and winding road road. Uh, this is the podcast looking at the greatest period of entering action in the history of professional wrestling. And that would be, at least in my opinion, the you know, all Japan pro wrestling of the 1990s. And uh, this is episode 26. And uh, joining me today is a good friend of mine, post wrestling's own uh, pro res expert, uh, Joshi expert, uh, interviewer, uh, extraordinaire, Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. WH, you flatter me. <laughs> you give me far too much credit. Oh, you do a lot of hard work and it's uh, it's paying off. We got to give you the props there, you know? Thank you so much. How, how are we finding ourselves on uh, this? Uh, as by just so people know, we're recording this on a Sunday. Uh, in the afternoon, and uh, in Toronto, it's, it's quite a nice day. It's a uh, it's very comfortable outside. How, how's how's Florida treating you? Uh, Florida is Florida is hot. It is summer, so I have the air conditioning cranking. I'm afraid to see my utility bill next month. Uh, it's probably in the 30s if you guys are on Celsius, but like 90s if you're on the Fahrenheit here in the United States. It is hot and humid, and I'm not having it. <laughs> yeah, like I. I miss Japan terribly, like living there. Same. Um, but I do not miss the summers there. Also I, same. <laughs> I, I, as people who, who know, I fucking hate the summer. I hate the heat and humidity. I hated going yeah. to G1 finals at, at, at Sumo Hall. And I and I swore, like after the one time, I, think, I forget which year it was. I think it was two, two, 2016, 2017. The one year I was just like, I almost died because I was up at the the rafters, like the I was actually okay. in the last, the top section of Oof. Sumo Hall, and heat rising. and it was full, it was packed, and and oh. I was I almost died from dehydration. It was so bad. I like, probably would have passed out. <laughs> and I just said, and I said to the person I was with, which is Chris Charlton, I said, "Listen, I'm never coming back here in the summer, never." And I've kept my word. But when they said they were going to do the G1 finals at uh, um Budokan Hall and I said okay as long as the air conditioning is good there I'll go and you know I get there for the finals with uh, Jojo Remy and, and and Christine and and uh and I'm like oh my god this building is amazing because the air conditioner is fantastic so I had a great time at G1 finals but I will I, never go back to Sumo Hall <laughs> I do love a good air conditioning building especially in Japan because you know the weather there in the summer is the same as here in Florida it's stifling it's humid it's disgusting it rains at the drop of a hat but the problem is, is that the buildings aren't air conditioned everywhere like they are in florida so i actually passed out in class mid-sentence one day uh, while i was teaching from the heat 
It's so ridiculous. I, Schools, I, I, by the I way, don't miss it at all. By the way, I've never taught in a public school system, but I had so many friends who were Jets and uh, ALTs and things like that. And and uh, let me tell you something. When they tell me, WH, there's no he- central heating in school, yep. public schools. There's no Correct. There's no central air conditioning. In Correct. I'm like, I was like, what the fuck? Are you serious? And Thankfully, there's, I, the con- there's the concept of cool biz where it has to be a certain temperature before they turn on the air conditioning that they do have, including the teacher's room. It was worse after 2011 because they were like, big on like saving energy because we're going to shut yeah. down all the nuclear reactors because of Fukushima and the, yeah. following the Toku earthquake in 2011. And I was like, and thank God the work, the, my jobs, every job I've ever had teaching English in Japan was like not in a public school system. It was like private. It was like a Kaiwas, which are like private schools and nope, let's turn on the air conditioner. Oh, it's too hot in here. I'm going to turn it down a little and then people say, some of my students say, they used to say, it's, it's a little cold in here. Oh, okay, I'll turn it up a little. Sorry just, about that. Just for you, I'll turn the air conditioning yeah. up a little bit. Oh, the uh, worst, man. Yeah, I, I did not care about my utility bills when I was living in Japan. <sighs> I was like, listen, I'll pay it. I will pay money for my comfort. So that, that's just uh, that's how I am. But we're not here to talk about weather or 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 the uh yeah, the, the the state of Japanese public school systems, or anything like that. We are here to talk about uh, all Japan for wrestling, but not not necessarily in the nineties. Uh, sometimes we will delve out of that kind of um, that that sandbox to go look at um, other eras, and even like some other companies, as I did with the uh, with the episode I did with Martin Bushby, looking at Misawa versus Kobashi and wrestling Noah, their last singles match ever against one another. Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna stay in all Japan pro wrestling. We're gonna look at all Japan pro wrestling in the early two thousands. We're gonna look at the year two thousand and five, I believe, um, as a kind of a as a kind of a caveat to to Karen here because uh, she's not super familiar with the era of the 1990s of all Japan pro wrestling. But this match, this particular match, I thought it was important because it, it signaled kind of a, a shift in era of, of all Japan from like kind of that, that kind of down period when Misawa, you know, took everyone and formed pro wrestling Noah. And it was just like pretty much just Kawada left in, in the company. And then, uh, you know, th- there's a resurgence because the arrival of Keiji Muto to become uh, pretty much the you know the the president of all Japan for wrestling you know following a, a sale from uh, Mrs. Ba- uh, Mrs. Baba who is who was majority shareholder she sold the company to Mudo but you know not just Mudo came over from New Japan for wrestling at the time it was also Kendo Kashin uh, it was also Kaz Hayashi uh, from the the then dead uh, WCW he had he had uh, come back to Japan, he had signed up with Mudo, and he was going to be in charge of the junior division of, of All Japan Pro Wrestling. But also, most importantly, um, Keiji Mudo brought with him Satoshi Kojima from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, and the reason he was able to do this, because Kojima saw the writing on the wall with like uh, the the uh, the philosophy of Nokiaism, Karen. I, I, I I'm sure you're pro- probably familiar with this concept of Very sacrificing loosely, yes sacrificing all your trained professional wrestlers and top liners to MMA fighters. So because you know they're they they know how to handle themselves in a real fight. So of course they have to be on top of the pro wrestling world. No, that's not that's not correct. <laughs> and, and this and this uh, uh, you know uh, uh, nearly crippled the company financially. <laughs> And because none of the fans wanted to see this shit. 
None of them. Anyways, neither did Kojima. So he was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna screw over Tenzan. They're going to screw over Nakanishi. They're going to screw over Nagata. Well, they totally screwed over Nagata. Uh, they're going to sacrifice him to people like Kazuki Fujita. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, sure does. And, and, and some other people, you know. So he saw the writing on the wall. Muto said, I'm going there. Do you want to come? And Kojima was like, yep, I'm going to come. Because he also, I think he also knew, like, um, in, in a sense, like he had a, he had the opportunity to help rebuild a company that was struggling. I would say in the 2005s, it was like New Japan was kind of dwindling. The the top company in the in Japan was Pro Wrestling Noah at the time, and um, you know, but all Japan was really like third. And uh, I think you know the arrival of Mudo and, and Kojima really helped uh, bring in more fans to to um, to the product and kind of added some stability to their roster as well. So uh, we'll talk about this. We're going to talk about the fabled title match between Satoshi Kojima challenging the then triple crown champion, Toshaki Kawada, the last of the four pillars to remain in pro wrestling Noah. I'm uh, no, in, in all Japan pro wrestling. Sorry. And uh, it's an important match um, because also not just because of like, you know, the spoiler alert, Kojima's ascension to the top to become the ace of the company as he wins Triple Crown from Kawada in this match, but also because it is the last time um, Kawada would hold the Triple Crown. This is his last reign. It's, it's a historic reign. It's the uh, He has a record 10 defenses that has yet to be surpassed in, in to this day, Karen. Uh, the, really? The, yes, only one person has matched it, and that's Kento Miyahara. He has 10 defenses. He, I think the, the goal for Kento is to get the, that fabled 11th defense. The, the elusive 11th? Uh, successful defense. Like, uh, you know. Consecutively, correct? Con- consecutive. I, he's probably beaten even. I would assume Miyahara maybe has beaten Masawa in terms of like overall defenses of the Triple Crown. Got it. But. He has not. He has not broken Kawada's record, which I, I'm kind of glad of. Like uh, you know, as much as I like Kento Miyahara, I I kind of like the fact that you know, as as a as a reward for his loyalty to to the All Japan brand, that he is kind of like has this like momentous title reign that has yet to be. It's been matched, but it hasn't been surpassed yet. So, and I, I you know, if anyone's going to have the the tie with the record of defenses, I, I don't think there's anyone better than Kento Miyahara, but. Yeah, so this is his his uh, you know Kawada's kind of swan song with the triple crown, and uh, it's a quite an interesting uh, title right now. I'm going to go over it really quickly here with you. So Kawada wins the triple crown in a tournament final on September 6, two thousand three. He beats uh, Shinjiro Otani, uh, then of Zero One Pro Wrestling, in a tournament final to become uh, the triple crown champion at Budokan Hall. He has his, uh, Kawada has his first defense of the title, defeating Don Fry on October 26 of 2003. And then let's, we move into the, the bulk of his defenses, which happens in the year 2004. January 18th, he defeats uh, his mentor, Jinichiro Tenru. Uh, February 22nd, he defeats Shinya Hashimoto. Uh, May 8th, he defeats Mick Foley on a, on a hustle show. Are, are you familiar with the promotion of the promotion hustle in, in the 2000s, Karen? I Well, when I lived in Japan, it was 2003 to 2008. And I had I had seen all the different wrestling posters, but I didn't know what one was. And some of them looked more like MMA than actual wrestling. So I just stayed away from all of it because I didn't know where to get started. Um, but hustle, isn't that where Shuri also got her start? I, I'm i not sure, actually. It's, it's the promotion that that was like, 
imagine like the uh, like imagine all the elements of like for example pro wrestling DDT that I hate, which is all the comedy and sh- okay show businessy and like let's fucking make fun of wrestling. So that's, that's so what like g- gimmick gimmick ra- m- gimmick match wrestling. Uh, stupid wrestling. Stupid wrestling. Yes, uh, it's what I call it. Its uh, own classification I was not a fan. on the WH scale is a stupid lot, wrestling. A lot of people <laughs> whose opinions I respect loved hustle and cool. It's hey, whatever, whatever, whatever you like, it's 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 all cool. Like I didn't like it. It's not the kind of wrestling I want to see. Yeah. So, anyways, they brought in Mick Foley, and also Kawada did do dates for Hustle as a comedy character. He, he even sang. He's actually very. Beautiful voice, oh. voice uh, Toshiaki Kawada, but believe it or not. But he he, he, he defends his Triple Crown on a hustle show on May 8th and defeats uh, one Mick Foley. Uh, it's kind of a weird story how that happened. But anyways, uh, on June 12th, he defeats Jamal, a.k.a. Uh, WWE's Umaga. Uh, rest in peace. Great, great big man wrestler in all Japan. I thought that name sounded familiar. Okay. Yeah, he's great, great, like uh, just... I like. I kind of wish he stayed in Japan. To be quite honest with you, fantastic. Uh, loved his tag team with uh, Taiokea. Check that stuff out. Great tag team. Uh, July eighteenth, he takes on and defeats Takao Omori. September third, defeats Osamu Nishimura. October thirty first, he defeats Taiokea. December fifth, he defeats a, a person we will talk about uh, during this match, Hiroyoshi Tenzan. And then moving into two thousand and five, he defeats. Uh, Kensuke Sasaki on January 16th. And then February 16th, this brings us to his match with Satoshi Kojima, in which he loses the title to Kojima. And uh, yeah, this is his um, 10 successful defenses. And the only time it's been matched is by Kento Miyahara during uh, Kento's 2018 to 2020 title reign. So there you go. That's that's uh, so that's the kind of the background of Kawada coming into this match. Um he's on a roll. He's like, you know, he's the top guy in all Japan. He's the ace. And uh this is the mountain that you know Kojima has to not only like uh climb, he has to also topple, you know, yep. Kawada uh, off this mountain to become the the, the, the the top top man in the company. So, and it's just you know, it's also like you know, Mudo wasn't going to be the top guy in the company. He knew that. Um, if only he knew that. You know, the last two years in Pro Wrestling, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's neither here nor there. But yeah, he's so we're going to see you know, like Kojima ascend to, to the top, and we'll talk about like um, subsequent like achievements Ko- Kojima achieved. You know, after winning the triple crown from Kawada in this match, but um, let's 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 delve into a bit about uh, Satoshi Kojima and his coming into uh, all Japan. So, like I said before, he left New Japan in January of 2002, along with Keiji Muto, and they were joined by Kendo Kashin uh, and Kaz Hayashi, pr- primarily to to form this new version of All Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he, uh, immediately when I heard this news, Karen, like I, I, me and like everyone else in what they call the, uh, the IWC, the internet wrestling community. Oh, the IWC, you say? <laughs> That's right. The, uh, the message board people, you know, either, whether it's on like the, uh, where did I primarily, I was primarily on the wrestling observer F4W boards, uh, or the death Valley driver review boards, which was probably much more where I, I pretty much did most of my posting and, and, or reading. Um, but like we, a lot, a lot of us in the IWC thought, Oh my God. Okay. 
Kojima's the man. He's gonna he's gonna be the guy that's gonna be groomed to take over the top spot in the company, be the triple crown champion, be the guy, the big the, the big draw for this company. And uh, you know, and we, we were right eventually, you know, three years later, we were right. Uh, you know, up to the point of this match. In 2005, he had won the World Tag Team title twice, once with uh, Taiokea and once with Kaz Hayashi. Uh, in a very interesting, like, open-weight tag team, because Kaz Hayashi is a junior heavyweight and Kojima is a heavyweight. But they had a really fun open-weight tag team that won the World Tag Team titles in in uh, in All Japan. But also, they this team of Hayashi and Kojima also won the All-Asia Tag Titles, but under the guises of the great Kosuke, which is his take on, which is Kojima's take on the, the great Sasuke and, <laughs> and uh, the great uh, Shiryu. And, and, and so Kos- great Kosuke team with Shiryu, which is Hi- Kaz Hayashi's uh, Michinoku Pro uh, gimmick. Okay. His mask gimmick. So he's, they're, they're both mass wrestlers. Got it. Doing kind of this, winning the all Asia tag titles in, in all Japan with the, gimmicks here because you know his other gimmick kojima's other gimmick was the great koji which is a which is a take on the great muda <laughs> you're gonna have to help me find a, a great koji match because now i'm fascinated uh you might be able to find it maybe on youtube or or daily motion or or somewhere else i i, I with, the billy billy it, it was it was it, or billy billy hey gotta love the chinese youtube there um but yeah like i i don't know i don't i don't think i don't recall it being that good like like very few muda ripoffs are are good like like you know to me like great koji who else is like sonata did one not a big fan of that one either um to jerry's whole gimmick basically in ecw and then back to japan is being a muda ripoff in, in a lot of sense his character but um yeah there you go. Uh, uh, one thing we, I want to point out that in uh, earlier, before this match, in 2004, on July 18th, he lost uh, what many consider a dream match on an All-Japan card against uh, Mitsuhara Misawa. Uh, and so, like, so, and then he also went to a time limit draw against uh, his former partner, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, on, uh, the, on the, the December 11th, New Japan card in Osaka. So he, he wasn't really like setting the world fire with these kind of high profile matches necessarily in terms of like getting like decisive wins over anyone. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, can he defeat Kawada on, on, in this really massive opportunity? And, and uh, yeah, we will talk about that. match. of course he does, but we'll, we'll talk about uh, the match itself coming up. But do you have any, um, do you have any thoughts about like, uh, either Kawada or Kojima heading into this based on any research you might've done. Um, well, I, I watched the video that you had sent me and I didn't know if this would be the time for us to go over the timeline because I remember when, before you even asked me to do the show, I was sitting in a car dealership getting my car worked on. And you're like, you need to watch this movie or this video because it was before Kojima was defending against Keno for the, 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 the third belt in the series that makes him officially a Grand Slam champion right. in all of Japan. Um, so, full disclosure, I, I, have, I w- hadn't watched a single classic Old Japan uh, match until you sent me this one. And I loved it. And the intro that the, the gentleman uh, that narrates the, the video, he gives a great timeline and breaks down a couple of key points in the history. And you've covered most of them. 
Um, I did also like the quote that he used from the Misawa match, I guess, because Misawa specifically beat him with a Tiger Driver 91 and not the Emerald Flosion. And Koji was backstage saying, I don't remember much of the match, like from like a move by move standpoint, but he re- he remembers how he felt both emotionally and physically afterwards that he was very moved by the situation. And that's the that freight soundbite was the one that apparently sent Kawada spiraling, being like, "You bro, you lost. How how do you, how how are you saying that losing is a good thing when you you you've had all these opportunities, especially after the the 2003 year on fire he had with winning the Champions Carnival and then being able to you know challenge Hashimoto but still losing, but then you know turning it around and like winning the tag league and stuff like that and working his way through these high profile matches." Yeah, did, have you ever seen the Tiger Driver ending one, Karen? No, but I think I need to see one now. <laughs> right, do you know what the Tiger Driver is? I do know what a Tiger Driver is. Uh, yes. y- yeah. Okay. So the Tiger Driver ninety, you know, like so the ti- the regular Tiger Driver for people who don't know is like you know you, you get this double underhook, you lift it up into kind of almost like a power slam, but you drop your opponent on their black on their back, flat on their back. The Tiger Driver ninety one rotates to the point where you like the not fully to expose the back, but it, it rotates enough to expose the head to the mat. Uh, and you drop a person on their head, basically. I see. So yeah, it's, it's kind it's, of like a brain buster with uh, an arm positioning? It's kind of like, almost like a... Uh, Pile driver? Near, near death. I, near, it's near one of those dangerous moves <laughs> I, I've ever seen in my life. Like the first person to ever take it was Akira Tawe. And I was like... I don't know how Masawa ever convinced him to take that move. Oh but, gosh, um, I feel like I'm gonna be watch if I look it up. I'm gonna be like watching it like this. You might be. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's a pretty gnarly move. I I oh, mean I no. love it because it looks so like wow. How did anyone survive? Like how did, Ko- how did Kawada, Kawashi, everyone oh. else has ever taken this move? But uh, you mentioned a move called the Emerald Flosion, and that's kind of like in a, a different like super finisher that Masao developed when he was in Pressing Noah to kind of like, I don't think he was like confident that he could do the Tiger Driver anyone safely uh, anymore as, he, as his physical, you know, his physical uh, state deteriorated during his time in Pressing Noah because it does take a lot of control to, to be able to hit that, to be able to, to, to rotate somebody and hit that um, move safely. So yeah. he developed the Emerald Flosion, which is kind of a, a move that, that Kojima copies uh, into the what he calls the, the CCD, which, uh, what is it? The Cozy Crush Dynamite is the name of that move, right? You're asking the wrong person. So, I'm, I'm, I, I'm very bad at remembering these co- overly complicated in- Japanese-English <laughs> titles for names for moves. So we're going to talk about the CCD because I, I do believe uh, Kojima busts this move out against Kawada, yes. right? He does I, use I, it, and it's and it's very similar to the, the you know, Mitsuhara Masao's Emerald Flosion uh, finisher. So that there you go with that. Uh, but like, like, yeah, anything, any other notes then before we get started and talk about the match, Karen? Uh, you were talking, oh, you mentioned that uh, he had the high-profile losses to uh, Shinya Hashimoto and then the non-title match with Kawada. He had the the, the loss against Keiji Mudo. And then after that loss, it, the, the outline said that he had a, se- a seven-match series that he just swept all seven people. And of the names, the only one I'm really familiar with, no, there's maybe two or three that I'm familiar with. Uh, there was 
Nobutaka Araya, Ryuji Hijikata, Akira, no, Nosawa. Is the Nosawa they're talking about? Is the that's it's the same Nosawa? Nosawa. That, that is it's the a, same. Nosawa it's the same Rambai. Nosawa. Okay, so yes, that one Nosawa I know. Rambai, yes. Jamal was Umaga, and I was like, I had heard the name Jamal, and I was like, I know, I know that name somewhere, but you put the pieces together for me on that one. And the the I think it was the first in the series is that he defeated Homo, uh, Tomoaki Homa mm-hmm. in the seven match series, and then after that it was the. So all these oh, guys basically are like New Japan undercard dudes. Yeah. That he, that he, <laughs> it's, it's basically, imagine like John Cena went on a losing streak against and lost to like Roman Reigns and, and like, I don't know, Randy Seth Orton. Rollins. And, and yeah. And then he was like, I'm going to have a seven match series to get me back on track. And then he faced like, I don't know, uh, you know, fucking Eliza, Elijah, Eliza. <laughs> fucking whatever fucking name he's using. Fucking. The maximum male models that's what that's that's what basically kojima did he just beat a bunch of jobbers to be honest with you so including was, Honma. Honma's so, a so, fucking jobber at this point too back in 2004 yes they're okay. all jobbers no salas no salas still a jobber in my eyes even now but he, he was even more of a because they're all like most of these guys are also juniors as well okay. so like compared to kojima they're like they're nothing so yeah got it um, one of the things was that after his his series of high profile losses, uh, Kawada was uh, basically was getting on Koji's case about you know having this on fire 2003 and then dropping down a bit in 2004 by having this losing streak and then trying to rebuild himself up with this this series of seven. But he's just like you know your spicy catchphrase Ichazo Bakaro that that doesn't win matches. Being you know good on the mic or having a catchy uh, you know a catch copy that everyone loves that's not going to get you anywhere you actually need to win matches in order for that to happen which i thought it's a good point but i am still i am happy that koji has stuck with the phrase ichazo bakaru as long as he has it's interesting we'll talk about this 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 actually this comment from koad it actually plays into oh i'm sure i'm sure it does (laughs) it does yeah for people don't know like ichazo bakayaro is what he yells when he throws a guy into the turnbuckle, he follows up with an elbow, and then he goes, he yells it, and all the fans yell it with him. And then Kojima scales the top rope and then drops an elbow. Basically, like, it's, it's very hard to kind of, like, you know, like, I understand the meaning. It's hard yeah. to, like, literally translate it. But basically, he's saying, let's go, idiot. Yeah. To to his opponent. I, I mean, I don't think he's calling the fans idiots, so. No, 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 no. He, he's calling his opponent. It's kind of like, you know, how, like, the big gamers these days are just like, let's go. So it's kind of like... I'm gonna I'm gonna mess you up. Yeah. I mean, on on some other commentaries I've heard, they've translated uh, "stupid" or "idiot" as "m or f or whatever whatever floats your boat." However, angry. I guess it all depends on how angry Kojima is, but I don't think he's the kind that would use the the mf'er term. So it's more of the "you dipshit," "you dummy," "you stooge." Right. Listen, if I ever call you a bakayata, uh, people listening. Yeah, I'm probably using calling. I'm probably calling you a motherfucker. So, <laughs> uh, Kojima, not so much. Me, probably yes. So, <laughs> me, there's a fifty fifty chance. <laughs> it's either lovingly or aggressively. It all depends well, on which day you catch me. <laughs> well, hopefully not on on a bad day. You know, definitely not on a bad day. Calling you a bakayato. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just like this. I like the shorter form of that word, baka. Yes, baka, baka. This. There you go. Anyways, uh, any any final notes there then, Karen, for the background? 
Um, from the background, let's see. There, there was a a phrase that was being what was mentioned in the intro as well, called Kawa, Kawada Koe, which means it was Kawada's name, and Koe means Koeru is the verb to overcome or supersede. So in this case, you know, for Kojima, Kawada is the mountain that he has to scale. He's the one that he, he wants to be the one to topple Kawada, and if he does, one stop the streak but also hearken a new era in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Which, which is, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But it's exactly- Am I getting ahead of I'm sorry, I didn't No, 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 I, I'm getting ahead of myself because, like, that's exactly what he ends up actually doing. So Yes. <laughs> it's very, it was a very poetic way of saying it. It's almost like this, all this wrestling stuff is pre-planned. Everyone knows to finish How dare you, they get, the, they get into the matches and stuff like that. Okay. All right. Long-term storytelling, the audacity. I mean, there's a lot of it in this match, apparently. So yes, there is, go. and in the right, backstage so comments. In backstage, we'll get to the. We'll, so we won't get ahead of ourselves because Karen was <laughs> kind enough to, to 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 translate a lot of the backstage stuff. That I speed I ran the translation. Let's yeah. be honest. Well, that's fine. It's better than me, so <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay, so let's let's talk about uh, this match. First of all, I wanna I do want to mention that you know, Hiroshi Tensai. The current IWGP heavyweight champion is in attendance for this show, for this match. He comes out uh, to much to the, uh, you know, I suppose the uh, the surprise of the fans in attendance here in, uh, what was the show again? This was in... <laughs> You're going to make me say it. It's Ryogoku Kogugikan, no, the sumo not, hall. <laughs> no, this is actually in Yoyoki no? National Gym. Oh, which is why did where, I have? Why do I have Ryogoku? That's probably where him and Tenzan had their match afterwards. I it is Yoyogi it. Stadium, Second Gymnasium. My apologies. Yes, it's, yeah. Have you ever been there? I have been to neither. I've been to I've been to both. So it's Yoyogi is actually a really cool place to go watch wrestling because of the kind of the design of like um, the seating is like it's kind of like a cone. The rings in the middle of the cone on the bottom, and then yeah. the seats go up. They go I, up this way, or up it's kind way? of like Oda War Gymnasium. You okay. Know? It's kind of like okay. that, except more like circular, like the design. It's it's a really cool place. Like usually they would hold the best of the Super Junior Finals there before they moved it to uh, Small Hall. But it's a really cool place to go to. But um, yeah, so this this show is called uh, AJPW Realize. It's from uh, Yogi National Gym Number Two. The attendance is listed as six thousand people. Wow. Um, whether that's a work or not, I mean, I, it looks. Wow. It sounds pretty full. It sounds pretty full to me. So I'll I'll, I'll give the, them like the arena looked and sounded really full during the match. So I'm going to give them that it's probably accurate. the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> it's a big match. Also, like I'm going to go over there. Have you seen what the card was, Karen? For this no, show? I haven't looked at the full All card right. from that match. So Can you run it, it down for me. Yeah, I, I am going to run it down for you. It, just so those people know, it was broadcast as a pay per view on Sky Perfect TV, and just so you know, pay per view is not that big of a deal, even, especially back then. Yeah, like people then most households do not have the ability to do pay-per-view in japan but uh let, let's take a look at this card it, it, it to start off singles match nosawa rangai defeats his regular tag team partner masada uh in six minutes 21 seconds there's a six-man tag team match the love machines love machine storm makai love machine number two and mini love machine number two i don't know who any of these people were maybe at the time i was like oh that's so-and-so that's so-and-so whatever uh, they defeated Akira Raijin, uh, Taichi Ishikari, not wow. Taichi. Baby yeah. Taichi Ishikari, Taichi Ishikari. <laughs> Taichi Ishikari, still like uh, Kawada's uh, disciple in All Japan, oh, wow. still junior heavyweight. Uh, hasn't discovered his uh, his lip syncing yet and his uh, horrible fashion sense. 
Uh, and also the other, the third member of this six man tag team on that side is Tomaki Hanma. That's, uh, but the Love Machines win in six minutes and 44 seconds. There's a tag team match. Akira, also uh, formerly of New Japan for wrestling, good friend of Keiji Muto, so he jumped over to, to All Japan. Akira and Toshizo defeat Katsuhiko Nakajima and Kaz Hayashi. What a tag team that is as well. Oh my uh, gosh. Uh, all the little youngins, all the little buddies. <laughs> that's right. Uh, three on two, handicap match. Uh, R-O-N-D, which stands for Roughly Obsess and Destroy, which is the faction created by Taka Michinoku, basically of all ex-WWE guys. Oh, uh, okay. That he, would, that he would manage. But uh, yeah, Jamal and Taiokea, uh, they were representing R-O-N-D here. They were like the, the probably the, the preeminent tag team in all Japan at this time. They defeat this, the, the trio of Masanobu Fuchi, Nobukazu Hirai, and Nobutaka Araya, all jobbers at this point. Masanobu Fuchi is, you know, like he's in his, I don't know, I can't remember, 50s? 50s at this point? So he's, he's just there to do the comedy. Anyways, six-man tag team match. Voodoo Murders, the, the inferior, all nearly all former uh, uh, faction consisting of, you're going to love these names, Karen. Chuck, Palum- Chuck Palumbo, Johnny, wow. Johnny Stamboli, a.k.a. Johnny the Bull from WCW. Got and, it. Uh, and their leader, Taru. Uh, and they defeated uh, the R-O-N-D contingent of Bull Buchanan, Rico Constantino, and Taka Michinoku. These are some old, these are some deep cuts, man. Yeah, like basically, if you left the WWE in the early 2000s, you basically went to All Japan for wrestling or All Japan. But a lot of them went to All Japan for wrestling. And is Uh, is that because of Taka Michinoku's connection with the company? Yes. And Mudo. Mudo Mudo loved bringing in big foreign dudes from America. So uh, Kohei Sawama, basically, when he still got his first name here. He's in his. He's in uh, match number three of the seven match trial series, and he wow. and he took on Kensuke Sasaki, but he lost to Kensuke in seven minutes and thirty one seconds. And uh, here you go. Here's a semi main event, Karen. It's Keiji Muto taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi yeah. in the semi main event. But guess who wins? That's right, Keiji Muto. Of course, <laughs> but, uh, he defeats him in eighteen minutes and forty nine seconds. So. And this is, I think, this is before Tanahashi for his first IWGP title win. I think so, yeah, because yeah. this is two thousand four, right? Or two thousand five? Two thousand five, yeah, no. So he hasn't. He has the whole debacle with like who is it? Lesnar. Yeah. The whole debacle with Brock Lesnar hasn't happened. No. You know, then he no. doesn't defeat uh, Giant Bernard in that uh, in that tournament final thing. Anyways, yeah, Kishimoto defeats Hiroshi Tanahashi. In, in 18 minutes, 49 seconds. That's our semi-main event. And of course, our main event is Kojima versus Kawada. And uh, the link for this match, this is actually, you know, this is, it's it's really nice. This match is, is hosted. It's an official video of, of this match hosted by uh, Gara, which is the, which is like the broadcaster of all Japan at, at this time. So they have pretty much the rights to all this footage. So this is on Garo's YouTube channel. We'll have a link in the description, of course. Uh, but the unfortunate thing, Karen, is that because of it's an official uh, video, we don't have Satoshi Kojima's theme music, nor do we have Toshiaki Kawada's oh. theme music during their entrances. It's kind of they're kind of uh, dubbed over with this kind of really 
um, generic music, unfortunately, which is yeah. a shame because I love both songs. So, but there you go. It's what we pay to, to keep things on the up and up here on the YouTube. <laughs> That's fair. And on post wrestling. So there you go. Of course. But hey, like if you're if you're like me, you probably have, and I have a copy of this match somewhere on DVD. I which would have which would be the pay per view version has all the songs. I should maybe dig it out somewhere if I can. I'll, I'll need to chase that up. Yeah, if, you know, I'll I'll, I'll put it up on the uh, what uh, JP Hoolan would call the hooky link. So people, so you, <laughs> oh JP, bless him. Maybe I'll just rip the whole show and just put a hooky link out there for people who uh, who I like, including yourself, Karen. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I have to find it first. But anyways, I, I want to talk about, before we get to the match, let's talk about who's in people's corners. Kojima's corner, Hanma, and Kaz Hayashi. And in Kawada's corner are Taichi. Because he's basically Taichi's, he's Taichi's mentor at this point. And of course, like, in nowadays, like, Taichi's, his musa is just full of all Japan tributes. The Axe Bombers from Takao Mori. The, you know, most, most of the, uh, his moves are a tribute to Toshaki Kawada, including his nickname Black Mephisto is a name that, or the move name, the Black Mephisto is taken from Toshaki Kawada's gimmick from when he was in Calgary in the 80s. Wow. Version. So, uh, yeah. So, and Nobutaka Araya, a very sad, sad man who was never a very good pro wrestler. And oh, no. By trying really hard and getting beaten oh. up by Kawada and, and Tenru before him. Never, never happened for this fella, which is which is a shame. But anyways, anyways, we have a title proclamation. I love these things. I love when they read. You know, this is this is the title match. It's it's and 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 the person reading it is is is, is reading this title proclamation that has been signed by the Pacific Wrestling Federation champion, which is the governing body of all Japan Pro Wrestling, and that would be Stan Hansen, the, the legendary figure. Um, as, as Stan Hansen would take over that role from uh, Lord James Blears, who who, is, who would do, redo all the title proclamations in the 90s. Giant Baba would fly Lord James Blears into Japan just, wow. to, just to do these big, big title proclamations. All right. So uh, both men are introduced and uh, during each streamers are, are present for both white and orange for Kojima and yellow for Kawada. And uh, just visually, just like from what I got gathered, there seem to be more streamers for Kawada Karen, but which is weird because like, you know, as we'll talk about, like I do think uh, vocally the fans seem to be super, super behind Kojima. I think the thing is, is that, you know, with, with the streak that Kawada was on and everybody knew that Kojima was coming off of, even though he did that seven match series, all the, as you put it, all the matches that mattered prior to it, those were the ones where he wasn't able to, you know, get the act together and be able to pull off the big wins. So maybe it wasn't necessarily that they were afraid to throw the streamers for Kojima, but they weren't necessarily a hundred percent sold. He was, this was going to be his day, but I think Tenzon showing up at ringside was probably a little bit of a tell from the get go. Ah, not necessarily because like Kawada had defeated Tenzon earlier as I, you know, in, in this, in December of uh, the previous year. Right. So, yeah. My question for you is when Kojima left to go to all Japan, I think I remember when they were talking about their history on something that was related to new Japan, was it, was Tenzon, Tenzon sent him off on his way when he left. Right. Like there was this whole thing about Kojima leaving like he didn't just like vanish one day like they were they had a final match 
I don't or- I don't think so because this happened like basically he shows up in all Japan in January 2002 and as okay as, as uh, I, I like at that time like a lot like the traditional time of like contract renewals is January it's oh, like, yeah. they're, they're all one year insane as it sounds they're all one year contracts at the time like everyone relatable has <laughs> everyone has to renew like in, J- in Japanese in New Japan for wrestling you had to renew every year yeah Did it, unless you're like you know you know, so, someone's you know such a top, top level. Like if you're like fucking Ricky Choshu, probably not. Yeah, if you're like a mid card dude. Like didn't matter who you were, you had to you know you had to you know had to be announced that the company still wanted you after. For that yeah, game. so it, it was the same thing with the Jet program. Every oh, yeah. spring they gave us our contract. They're like, you know, your 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 contract's good for up to five years, but you have to sign your renewal. And I'm like, where am I gonna go? <laughs> really? Well, here's the thing. You know, I'll tell people like I I I miss living in Japan. I don't miss working in Japan. I don't miss the paperwork. I, don't I really don't. I don't miss the, the, the bullshit with the bureaucracy of like lots of red and, tape and, and and city hall and immigration office. Anyways, but, uh, but, but yeah, my thing my thing about ten, mentioning Tenzon was that they were tag they were were they tag champions prior to his leaving all Japan or did all of that happen once he came? I think back? he's they're not champions at the time, but they're still they're still Tenkoji. Okay, they're they were oh, part yeah. of. I think because uh, NWO Japan they were part of that with Tono. <laughs> And Mudo, Got it. and then that morphed into Team Two Thousand. Okay, and then that's what the, the so he he's he's leaving t- Team Two Thousand. He's leaving uh, Tenzon to go join. But I, I I don't think it was something that maybe a lot of people knew about. Like I would assume Co- Tenzon because they're legit good friends. Yeah, probably knew, and he's and I would assume like in real life Tenzon like yeah I wish you'd stay, but like I understand because I yeah I'm sticking around because like. Chono's sticking around. Like, Ch- yeah. Tenzin was going to leave because Chono's his his mentor, right? And Chono's yeah. sticking around. So, uh, the reason I ask was that when we eventually get to the backstage comments and the in ring promo that Tenzin cuts on Kojima, it just seems like there's, I don't know. We'll get to it, but we'll get to just, it. I was just like that their connection as a, a fr- as longtime friends and tag team partners. I just wanted to know how this all placed in that whole scheme of things. I don't know the exact details of him leaving New Japan. Got it. I, I remember. I just remember it was surprising to see yeah. him show up. So okay, like, uh, if, if anyone's out there, like leave it in the comments. Apology for completely de- de- derailing the entire oh, conversation. Not at all. These are these are great points that we you know I'm sure a lot of fans or listeners are, are asking too. So we'll we'll find out. I'm sure. Like uh, in subsequent research, we, we can look it up ourselves. You know, absolutely after this. But uh, let's 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 go to the match. So. Uh, the re- our referee is legendary all Japan referee Kiyohawada. There's a big Kojima call from the crowd already. Excuse me. Uh, they lock up and they're jockeying for position right from the start. Uh, Ko- Kojima gets Kawada up on the ropes and gives a couple of cheeky slaps to the chest that you know Kawada literally just brushes off. He's like, "Is that all? Is that all you got right now?" Uh, there's some wrestling on the ground until uh, Kojima backs Kawada into corner and unleashes these chops and slaps that do nothing. But piss off Kawada, who retaliates with his own chops. There's a there's a nice stiff chop exchange that that follows that, and and Kawada knocks down Kojima with a nice stiff elbow to the face. Uh, Kawada chops Kojima down with kicks to the leg and goes for a leg lock. There's some more groundwork with Kojima going for a heel hook, but Kawada decides to put one on himself, and Kojima quickly gets out of that by going for the ropes. It was funny because like you know like. Kojima's trying to go for this heel fuck, and then Kawada's like, "No, that's not doing anything really. You're not because it's not his. It's not his forte. Yeah, not doing 
any kind of submission or MMA work. But K- Kawada has kind of a background some, somewhat in that, and he's like just grabs his heel and starts tw- t- twisting in the heel hook, and it's like, could you be like, yeah, I'm getting out of this. I'm getting into the <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a pretty even match. I do think Kawada is still kind of dominant early on in this match, which is kind of a theme that will play out through actually most of this match. But what what, what are your thoughts so far on this, Karen? Well, the the thing is, is that for me, I didn't watch wrestling when I was in Japan, but I know that when you sent me this match, just watching the 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 opening sequence and the entrances and everything else, that I would have very much been. A Satoshi Kojima girl had I watched wrestling back then because I love an underdog story. So knowing, you know, learning that he had, you know, he was trying, he had a hot streak and then it, it, it collapsed and then he's just trying to claw his way and claw his way back. I love seeing someone trying to beat the one person they can't beat. So for me, it was like, I, I mean, this, I didn't have streamers for Koji, but you know what? I was in his corner the entire time and, and seeing that how, not that Kawada was underestimating him, but he was just like playing the senpai card and being like, all right, come on, give me more. Show me what you have. Show me you show me that you want this bad enough. Right. It is make kind it, of like make it interesting for me. There is this kind of psychology on Kawada's part of like trying to bring out the fire. In yeah, Kojima in this match. So um, there's another str- uh, strike exchange that Kawada wins with a nice looking back heel kick to the face. There's a Kawada control segment with Kawada focusing on punishing Kojima's back with like a I don't know exact move of this. I call it a standing surfboard. I call it, <laughs> I call it a surfboard too. <laughs> yeah, basically you, you grab your opponent's arms, you're behind them, you just kind of stretch their arms back as much as possible. Uh, I think it's probably to set up, uh, you know, weakening Kojima's back for. Uh, Kawada's folding powerbomb finish. Uh, Kojima tries valiantly to get out of this hole and gets the fans on his side at the time. So he's struggling. He cannot get out of this hole for for the most part. He's stuck in this movie for like three, four minutes. But the great thing is his struggle is is so compelling. The fans are just on his side. They're chanting his name, and it's and they're you know when he finally reverses it. The fans cheer, but the funny thing is, I think it's funny. Like Kawada just is so close to the ropes, just Kawada puts his foot on the ropes, and like, <laughs> he, doesn't have, he doesn't have to struggle to, to to get out of this out of this move. I, I some really great stuff from from like the way the match is laid out and like Kojima's facial expressions just really draw the fans in. Yeah, it it really gave me. You know, and this is completely two different pro wrestling worlds, but it it reminded me of seeing a uh, Brian or. In WWE, Daniel Bryan struggling to try to finally become the champion, like trying to fight the one person he can't beat. So it's like the more that Kojima struggled, the more he was in peril, and the more he was like, you know, doing everything he can. And he just like sometimes it just took him a little longer to, you know, claw his way out of things. I think the way he emoted and showed all that in the ring really resonated with all the fans, both in the venues and at home. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's such he's such a likable wrestler. Like, I don't trust anyone who doesn't like Satoshi Kojima. Let's be honest. Like he just has a like a likable persona that yeah. comes through in his interviews and in his his wrestling. So like whenever they made it, try to make him a, a heel, I was like, that's dumb. That, not that's not him. <laughs> it's not a very good heel now. No. Uh, Kojima sets off another volley of strikes, but Kawada slaps him in the face, body slams him, and starts beating the shit out of him on the ground with stiff kicks. I, I love what Kawada does this to anyone, but this is this is great stuff. Uh, Kawada goes to his wheelhouse with stiff kicks to the chest. 
There's another Kawada control segment with chops, elbows, kicks. And Kojima is, like, really in big trouble in this match. This is pretty much all Kawada's match so far, Karen. It's one of those things where it it, it's, it adds to the story because people, some people come into that match expecting it to be a squash. That it's just going to be another, it's going to be, it's going to be the match that, you know, carves him into the, the history of being the man. But then just because it, that's what's at stake, he has more to lose. So the more dominant he looked in the first half, the more satisfying things became in the second half when Kojima started gaining more traction on him. Definitely. Uh, Kojima does rally back with his own chops and elbows and goes for the Ichazo Bakayaro elbow, but doesn't actually go for the top rope elbow. He doesn't. Instead just, he doesn't. He, do, he just instead <sighs> just elbow drops him normally. Uh, and, and I think this plays into like, you know, like what you were saying about like Kawada's comments about like, oh, your stupid catchphrase is going to win matches. And I think probably this got into Kojima's head. Yeah. Like, and he's like, okay, yeah, I got, uh, I'm not going to do it. He's, I think also it's like it, it, it you know plays into this idea that Kawada has gotten into his head. And so yeah. I, if I go to the top rope, he's going to recover. He's going to he's going to he, stop me from. He's going to have extra time to to, yeah. to get one on me. So he he he's finally gotten you know the, the advantage over Kawada at this point in the match, and he doesn't want to lose it. So I just think this is really really great you know stuff that we're seeing here. Just like really smart storytelling in this match. Yeah. Uh, to Kojima does, but. Kojima does go to the apron, I think, to set up a top rope move. Uh, but Kawada uh, recovers, kicks him off the apron, and crashes him into the barricade outside. Uh, Kojima gets back up on the apron, but Kawada kicks him off again. Uh, Kawada proceeds to beat the shit out of him some more outside. Uh, and this includes powerbombing him onto the thin blue mats on the arena floor. <sighs> and I just said, ouch. That, that does not... Listen, taking a Kawada powerbomb in the ring is bad enough like on the mat, but on these blue mats, which don't have much give, there's nope. no give. And they're not that, they're not, they don't really give you that much cushion either. And no. That was a pretty stiff looking firebomb as well. So like, I just, yes. bad <laughs> I remember seeing that powerbomb and I, like, I was sitting in the dealership waiting for my car and I just reached back on my back. I was like, Oh, I felt that. I felt that it, like through my chest and in my soul. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to see that again. I don't want to feel that way. <laughs> But you know also who probably also felt it was the crowd because they they just bust out the Kojima call. Yeah. Yet again, they're really behind like Kojima surviving this onslaught from Kawada and 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 being able to like, you know, have a fighting chance at winning the triple crown here. So they they go back in the ring and Kawada unleashes stiff kicks to the back and goes for a single leg Boston Crab again focusing his attack on uh, his attack on Kojima's back. Uh, Kojima tries to bal- rally back again with elbows, but Kawada cuts him off with his own elbows. Kawada uh, kicks to the face, uh, follow up with a running kick to the face, and then a stiff lariat for a two count on Kojima. Kawada immediately goes for the seated stretch plumb that he then transitions into a weird variation of what looks like uh, uh, Tenzan's Anaconda Vice move. Uh, Karen and I was just like what's he doing I've never seen him do this this move before it was one of those things where it was the I always get a kick out of seeing wrestlers do their opponents moves but there's something a little that has an extra little bit of salt to it when you use your your opponent's tag team partners move on them like it just it just feels like he was just like trying to grind him down and find any possible way that could just 
further break Kojima's like not just his body but break his spirit because he had already gotten it into his head and he's just trying to do anything to do again having them having the most to lose trying to do anything to stop his momentum and I think the more the dirtier that he got and the grittier he got with Kojima the more the audience rallied behind Kojima because they're just like they just wanted more than anything for for this not not the, the torture to stop but also be to be like this could be the moment because he's pushing him so hard that this could be the, the moment that they, they see history change. Yeah. I, I mean, also I think it's a big F to Tenzan who's in the audience Yeah, <laughs> as well. Who he uh, had recently beat. Who he recently beat too as well. Uh, Kojima again fights back with his own elbows to the face and rocks Kawada with a rolling elbow, trademark Mizuhara Misawa, and follows up with a Koji cutter. Uh, Kojima has finally gotten control of the match and hits the Tiger Driver for two count. And I, I now like, so to me, it's like, okay, Kojima's the thinking is I can't beat him with my own moves. So I'm going to, I'm going to start borrowing the moves of the guy who's, who has basically beaten Kawada every time in the nineties. So that's why he used the rolling elbow. That's why he, he used the Tiger Driver. I do think that Rolling Elbow is, is part of Kojima's regular repertoire as well. But this one looked like kind of Misawa-esque, as it were. So the Tiger Driver he uses, that is there any other Tiger Driver than the 91 and the other one, that the the general one? Or is this just like... So this is uh, the regular Tiger Driver that he uses. Okay. Kawada lands on his back. There's the 91, which drops you on your head. On your head, okay. Uh, no, but he does, Misawa does have variations of the Tiger Suplex. Okay. He, that he uses that uh, is, is pretty dangerous. I want to meet these tigers that do suplexes and all these drivers. Cause as far as I know, I've never seen it in the animal kingdom. Let's well, be I mean, <laughs> because Masala used to be the second incarnation of tiger mask. After Aha. Thank you for that. Cause, cause you know, Baba, Baba had bought the rights for the tiger mask gimmick from, uh, from the, uh, the, the anime company that created the character. So, Masawa's, a lot of Masawa's moves are named after tigers because that's because he was Tiger Mask, the second incarnation. You know, the third incarnation of Tiger Mask was Kochi Kanemoto, right? I did not know that, but thank then, you. I know who the fourth one is. Yes, he's the current one. This guy has been the Tiger Mask the longest. Your favorite, one. the grumpy one. <laughs> I don't, a lot of people don't like him. I don't know. He's fine. He's he's a perfectly <laughs> good pro wrestler who does pro wrestling. You know? So that's all I like. You know, that, that's fine. Um, but yeah. So that's where why you know people wondering why does Masala name a lot of his moves with you know Tiger something? It's because he used to be Tiger Mask. Anyways, uh, Kojima tries for a German suplex, but Kawada counters with a Pele kick enziguri that rocks Kojima. Beautiful, like even at this point in his career, Kawada still can bust out these like incredibly graceful looking, like just you know, athletically impressive like jumping kicks. Karen, how old was how because? This will feed into the backstage comment part at the end. How old were Kojima and Kawada in this match? Was there a big uh, age uh, differential between the two of them? Yeah, it is because, like, I I can't exactly I can't remember exactly how old either of them are. But think about this: like, Kawada is of the same generation as the Three Musketeers. So Kawada, okay. Misawa, Tawei, uh, and and uh, Misawa they're 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 like the the generation that's uh, uh, you know peer level with Mudo. Masahiro Chono and Shinya Hashimoto. Okay. And, and Kojima is the, the, so they're the second generation, right? The three musketeers yeah. are the second generation. And Kojima is part of the, the third generation. That third generation. Okay. Kagata, Nakanishi, Tenzan himself. Yeah. 
that's the generation he's part of. So like, Got it. he he would be like, this is akin to him fighting Kishimoto. You know, Got this it. is akin to him fighting Shinya Hashimoto. Like that's of that generation. He's fighting the generation that came, came and paved, you know, the business in the nineties for him, for him, okay. to kind of it, him intends on to inherit in the, in the two thousands. So I don't know the exact age of his, I'm going to say maybe it was like, I'm going to say, you know, between five to 10. Maybe. Okay. Like, I, I apologize. People can look this up. It's, it's yeah. called Wikipedia. And, you know, <laughs> well, I, the thing is I looked at Wikipedia and I couldn't do the math. <laughs> Kojima's like early thirties, I think. At okay. This point. Right. Uh, how old is he now? He's 51. Okay. So that this is 2022 and this is 2005. So just subtract about 20 years. So he's in his thirties, right? Okay. <laughs> that, that works. Kawada, 30, around thirties works for me. I think Kawada is probably in his like forties. Forties. Okay. Yeah, like early, early or mid forties. So the age point. gap for, for, for me, for, for me, someone who's only been into Japanese wrestling for about five or six years. It's kind of the age gap between Tanahashi and Okada, about kind 10 of, years, but yeah. somewhere in that ten year range. It, it's more like akin to like the age gap between Nagata and Tanahashi. Okay, that makes sense as well. Yeah, which is more is an eight or nine year gap. Right. So it, it, got it. it. It's it's a generation gap, like in terms of like you know kayfabe pro wrestling generations. Yeah, it is generation gap. It's like it's like you know like. You know, the equivalent to Aki, to to Kojima in in all Japan at the time would have been Jun Akiyama. Okay, right? so Jun Akiyama is of is of the generation that's similar to Tenzan, Kojima, and, and Nakanishi and Nagata. Okay, so that's why him and that's why actually why Jun Akiyama and Yuji Nagata are actually legit good friends in real life. Got and, it. And, and copy each other's moves a lot, like with the explorer suplexes and things like that. Anyways, uh, deviate, but let, let, but that's you know there's this, there's all this stuff. But he, like he he's like Kojima uh, Kawada is just busting out all the the flying kick moves that he was so famous for popularizing in the '90s. And and this this one in particular, the Pele kick, like kicking backwards and hitting an enziguri, incredible. I love Kawada. Uh, Kawada <laughs> hits a backdrop driver for a two count. Uh, Kawada hits a lariat that Kojima absorbs. Uh, he goes for another one, but Kojima lariats his arm and then hits a brain buster and then goes for another brain buster. Uh, and at this point, Kojima rips off his elbow pad to signal that he's, he's he smells blood in the water and he's signaling for his lariat. And as he comes off the ropes, Kawada hits a kick to the face and then an enziguri. But Kojima no-sells this and hits a short-range lariat. And then Kawada gets up and hits a running kick to the face. And then both men double lariat each other. And Kojima finally knocks down Kawada with a lariat. But it has exhausted him as well, so he can't cover Kawada right away. And Karen, I, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is like true, you know, Royal Road, King's Road all Japan style that we have just witnessed in this, like, I don't know, three minute stretch here. It was one of those things that I was kicking myself for watching this match in public <laughs> because I got very excited and I was trying to like keep everything inside because I just wanted to, I wanted to, you know, I was trying to, to cheer with my heart, but it was like, it was coming out of my mouth as I was trying to, you know, mind my own business. Right. But man, the, like this sequence, I was like, "It's it's happening! It's happening! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go!" And then he didn't he, he couldn't cover it. I was like, "No! No! No! Get, like 
I just got I got very drawn into this match, especially after this started happening. There's a big Kojima call because uh, everyone else in Yogi uh, Gymnasium is 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 with you there, Karen. And Kojima covers, but Kawada had enough time to recover. Kicks out of this. Uh, Kojima changes his strategy and goes for his own arm submission, which. I don't know. It looks really weird. It looks like an inverted Kimura mixed with an arm scissors. I don't know the name of this move, Karen, but quite honestly, I think it looks kind of like shit to me. So I was like, okay. I don't want to say it like the money clip, but it was, it just looked like it looked like it it was overthought. Like it it looked like it had too much going on to it. Yeah. It's very busy move. It looked, uh, yeah, it looks kind of shit. Kawada (laughs) reaches the ropes for the break. There's another strike exchange that Kawada quickly loses because even though, you know, Kojima's like submission move looks like shit, he has actually dama- damaged Kawada's shoulder. And there's some great selling from Kawada here. Uh, Kojima hits the uh, uh, cozy, uh, what do I call it? The cozy crusher the dynamite. Yeah. The CCD. CCD. Which, you know, again, I say coincidentally, not coincidentally, looks like Misawa's. Emerald Flotion move, and uh, and you know he's thinking again. Okay, I gotta use Masao move to finish him off. Nope, no. Nope. Kawada kicks out of that at two, and Kojima immediately goes for a shit armbar that actually works. That's what I'm calling it now, Karen. <laughs> this is uh, the. Sh- I hope he busts this out in in Pro Signola, so I can say, you know, I can't believe he he he, fought, he beat like Takashi Sugiera with shit armbar that actually works. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Kawada calls uh, start happening as well here and are met with Kojima calls. So it's like a dueling chance here in in, uh, Yogi National Gym 2. Uh, Kojima senses he has Kawada's number and hits the ropes for his lariat. But Kawada hits his jumping Gamangiri and rocks Kojima. Kawada goes for a running PK PK kick to Kojima's face. But thankfully for Kojima's face, he ducks but uh, Kawada recovers enough to kick him in the back instead. Still, that, oh. I, I'd rather take a you know oh. kick to the back than a PK kick to the face from Toshiaki Kawada. Agreed. <laughs> uh, Enziguri, backdrop driver, and folding powerbomb. But my God, Karen, Kojima kicks out of one of you know Toshiaki Kawada's signature finishers. Incredible. It's happening! <laughs> uh, Elbow strike exchange, and then Kawada goes for his jumping high kick, but Kojima blocks it with his arms. Kojima hits the ropes, but Kawada kicks his arms, but Kojima hits a lariat anyways, and both men are down, and this crowd is electric. They are on fire yes. for this match, Karen. It's great. It's just amazing atmosphere in this building. I wish I was... This is one of those matches where I was like, you know, I kind of wish I was there, because it would have been awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kojima does go for a cover, but only gets a two. Uh, Kojima hits another lariat, but Kawada kicks out at one and wants Kojima to try again. This is the point where he's like, come on, you know, like he, I think like my, my, my headcanon, my theory is that Kawada knows he's done, but he wants, he wants Kojima to finish him off decisively. He doesn't want to be like, you know, no roll-ups, no fluke pins, nothing like that. He kicks out. He wants, you know, he wants Kojima to hit him with everything he he has and to fire him up so he like he can you know you know confidently pass the torch to him yeah you know by the end of this match so you know he he challenges Kojima to try again there's another there's Kojima does he there's layer to the back of K- Kawada's head follow one 
uh, followed by one to the neck. But Kawada again kicks out at two. Amazing. And as the crowd chants Kojima's name, he charges out of the corner, out of the corner, and hits Kawada with a signature running lariat and pins him one, two, three to win the Triple Crown, Karen, in 27 minutes and four seconds of what is a, a very, very excellent match for the Triple Crown. It's it's the passing of the torch. And and one thing I love maybe more than the match itself, I love the post-match because Kawada, you know, slaps him on the back. He's down. Kawada, they're both exhausted, These both these guys. Yeah. Kawada goes over to Kochi, Kojima, slaps him on the back, pulls him up by his hair, and referee Kiyo Iwata's like, let go of his hair, let go of his hair. Like, because it almost like he's going to attack him or something. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's, it's not it. He gets, Kojima gets up. He goes over to whoever's holding the triple crown, the, the three title belts. He grabs them and he gives them to Kojima and, and hugs him and congratulates him. He then symbolically puts on one of the belts. And this is, this is important to know, Karen. The belt he puts on, he tries to strap around Kojima's white waist is the, the PWF world title, which is the signature belt of the Triple Crown. The other two belts are the NWA International title and the United National title. But the PWF world title is the signature piece. It's the belt that the current Triple Crown Championship belt is modeled after. I see. So that's why it's really symbolic that he's putting that particular belt Kojima's yeah. waist, not the United National or the International title. So, uh, yeah, Kojima looks legit emotional and he's crying. You know, I, I believe probably finally overcoming Kawada, but also finally becoming a world champion. And and not just a world champion, Sharon, he's become the world champion, the top guy in the company he chose yeah. over the promotion that he started with in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So this is his new home and he's now the, the keeper of it, right? So I think just, just amazing stuff here with between Kawada and Kojima. But uh, but it's not the end of the post-match, Karen, because nope. then he gets into the ring. But uh, the IWGP heavyweight champion, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, and, and he, he, he says some, some words for Kojima. What does he say, if you don't mind uh, letting us know? All right. So the, the great thing about – you can tell the friendship that they have – purely based on the casual nature in which he which Tenzan addresses Kojima he calls him Koji it's like it's as if no time has passed no company they they've they've you know Koji made his choice he went to all Japan and he basically says hey Koji you finally did it you managed to become a champion congrats but you know what I'm planning on taking that triple crown like that triple crown and make put it around my waist in a few days and uh how about you and I give everything we have and leave nothing left uh, in the tanks once we're done um but just so you know there's no way that the iwgp is going to lose to the triple crown um you better go prepare yourself wow and he's saying this on an all japan show and the, japan booze. Show. Oh. the booze yes that's on here and then and then that's you know then uh, yes they're gonna fight we're gonna talk about that as well a little bit uh but uh we go backstage and there's some comments from kawada and kojima so and karen was kind enough to do some translating for us what what did kawada have to say about this match it was it was so yeah so he starts out with saying today we toast kojima the biggest thing i wanted kojima to understand 
is his thinking that losing can be uh, be moving, which I still find a little bit strange. But I wanted more than anything else for Kojima to understand my true feelings and my intentions and how frust- how frustration can really work. I-, I am frustrated that my streak is now broken, but I'm glad it was Kojima. Currently, there isn't anyone in this company that is on his level. I wish him the best of luck as the new champion. I still have plenty of gas in the tank, and I don't mean to lose, so I'm going to keep going, and I hope you'll support me. Yeah, it sounds like a sheet to be a card on it, because, like, outside of Kojima, there's really not much in terms of prospects. Like, Suwama's still a, a rookie at this yeah. point. <clears throat> it won't be until later, like, Suwama kind of elevates himself to that, to a level to be on Kojima's level in the company and and, and, and such. But, yeah, there's not much going on. You know, it's a fun... I, I love... I actually do love all early 90s all japan it's it's a very fun company to watch but like outside of kojima it's like mm, there's not much going on there <laughs> but anyways what, what what did uh what did kojima have to say afterwards uh kojima said that the happiest moment of the match was uh kawada shaking his hand uh, uh and you know acknowledging that he's he's passing the torch and that he's the next champion however he said he never became a wrestler to seek someone else's approval but he would be remiss if he didn't admit how happy he was in this very moment. And this is why I asked about the age part, the age differential, because he keeps stressing in the, in the promo, I've been working in this business for 15 years. I'm young, but I don't want to talk about age. I want to talk about my career length. And I am the ha- And at this point in 15 years, I am the happiest I've ever been with my pro wrestling life. I've been a lifelong fan of pro wrestling because somebody asked him a question about how long he's been a fan. And I've been a wrestling fan ever since I was a child. Even when I was in elementary school, I said, one day I want to grow up to be a pro wrestler. And during, through this match, he was able to, what he feels he truly achieved his childhood dream of becoming a professional wrestler. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he not start off in like animal Hamaguchi's dojo? I think he might've been. I'm I'm not very uh, Kuashi in the Koji. I'm not very up to date in all of the the origin stories of one of my favorite bread dads. But it, I would let, let's can we is do we have time to check the Wikipedia? Let's see. I'm thinking Google search animal Kawaguchi. professional career. He entered the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo in 1991. I'm not seeing anything yeah, yeah, prior to it. It's on his Wikipedia. He was trained by Animal Hamaguchi. That was the one. That was the one menu I hadn't opened yet. <laughs> Dang it! Uh, but it doesn't say what years he went. It just says early life. But he also has a background in judo. Yeah, you got to start loading trucks for New Japan for wrestling, and after some months of persuasion, finally convinced head trainer Animal Hamaguchi to accept him into the dojo. So. Would that be the New Japan dojo? I assume, I assume, I mean, basically, I think. Because the, sec- the next section opens with Kojima entered the New Japan Jojo in February 1991. Yeah, so I I think, like, that's probably, correct me, hey, anyone up there, if I'm wrong, correct me, but I think Hannibal Hamaguchi was the, the, the head trainer. The trainer at the time. At the time, and then he left to start his own dojo, and that's where, like, you know, okay. Shingo Takagi, you know, yes. trains. You know, before he gets enters the Dragon Gate Dojo, he's he's trained by Animal Hamaguchi. This is, I think, the time like that's the time like Hamaguchi is like basically ah fuck it, I don't want to work for New Japan anymore. I'll do my own shit. So 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't know when Hamaguchi started his gym. So I didn't know if the gym Kojima was trying to get into was Hamaguchi's gym or into the, the dojo meaning or sorry, his dojo or the new Japan new Japan dojo. So he basically it says here he, he started like like by basically being the ring crew. Right. Yeah. So I get, I would assume he you know, he considers that part of his his overall career. He wrestling. worked his way up from the bottom, yeah. literally. <laughs> There's uh and anything else from what Kojima had to say here? Uh, that's all that he had to say when it came to his response to Tenzan, when Tenzan said, you better go prepare yourself. Kojima basically said, there's no effing way I'm going to lose to you, but in a very diplomatic, uh, Mm -hmm. way of saying it. So, and then they had their match shortly thereafter, if I'm not mistaken. So one final note about this backstage presser, like it's a really nice show of symbolism, not only like in the, in the, in the ring, when Kawada puts the PWF world title around Kojima's waist, but in the back, one of the people toast, the person toasting Kojima is Masafuchi, who along with Kawada is the only native wrestler to stay with All Japan Pro Wrestling following the, 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 the Mitsuharu Masawa Noah exodus from the company in 2000. So to, for him to be basically accepting Kojima as the new ace of, the, of, of All Japan is a really nice so, show of symbolism. For, for for the company. So like I thought that was a really nice touch here. But um let, let's talk about Kojima's follow-up to this triple crown win. So he he does win the triple crown from Kawada on February 16th. He then would go on to defeat uh Tenzan four days later on uh on uh, February twentieth at uh Sumo Hall, Rigoku Kokukikan. <laughs> uh, well done. <laughs> uh, I've had a lot of practice. Uh he on July and then this title reign that he has is actually a pretty pretty cool title reign. He he does have uh, he has quite a few, quite a few great wins here. He July twenty sixth he defeats Kishimoto. September first he defeats Jamal. October eighteenth he defeats Giant Bernard. November nineteenth he defeats Kensuke Sasaki. Heading into two thousand and six he defeats Taru. Uh, on January eighth, March tenth he defeats the Great Muda. Jan- June tenth he defeats uh, Suwama before finally losing. The triple crown to Taiokea on July third. So how many how many wins is that? So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, one, two, three, four, five, seven. So seven successful defenses. I don't think they were going to like break Kawada's 10, 10, 10 match winning streak uh, with the triple crown uh, with Kojima here. But uh, there you go. He loses it to Taiokea. He would win the triple crown once more for a second time down the line. But it's neither here nor there. Um, as far as his uh, his IWGP heavyweight title reign, it, it only has like, I, I suppose it's a successful title defense. He 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 goes to a timely draw on March twenty sixth with Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, and then he uh, he does lose the title back to Tenzan uh, at the Tokyo Dome on May fourteenth. This is when like New Japan had this crazy idea: let's run the Tokyo Dome uh, like more than once a year. Oh, I wonder. When did they do that again? Oh, recently, this past year or so. To bad, bad <laughs> What? I'm on an All Japan Pro, you know. Because <laughs> I can slander New Japan Pro Wrestling. I slander them anyways. I don't care. Anyways, yeah, that's a, that was a, you know, wonder what was what's similar. Oh, yeah, bad business decisions and bad booking both both times they they've done that anyways anyways that that brings us to the uh the end of my notes actually for this uh i i would i would say if i was going to give this match a rating i would say it's a four and a half for me i don't think it hits the five uh you know 
it's it's a very very good match. I recommend people watch it, especially if you're a Kojima fan. It's I think one of his best matches of his career. Um, I don't I you know the thing is is like Kawada's not at his peak. He's 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 basically winding down at this point. He's he's still got a, several years left in the tank, but it's not. If it was like it was like 1998, 1997, Toshi Kawada versus like 2005 Kojima, holy cow! I think probably would have gotten five. Five stars on that, but it's okay. But hey, Kawada, holy shit, he brings it. He brings it to Absolutely. Kojima, and he it is he does not make it easy for for, for Kojima to win the title. Not him. at all. It's, it's a great it's a great performance from Kawada as well. Uh, yeah. Any any final thoughts from you about this match, Karen? Uh, before we go, can I talk about Kojima's post match promo in the ring? Sure, of course. It's really short. It's really sweet. And basically, what he says is to everyone, "Thank you so much," and. The first thing he says after that is, I'm so thankful to have met a wrestler like Kawada. And I don't know if that's because Kawada pushed him harder or because Kawada believed in him. Could have been half a column A, half a column B. But he says, I just, and he's like, I know I just became your champion, but I hope for your continued support in the future. And that's like, it's the most Japanese thing to say because there's a good old Yoroshiku and a Gaishimasu in there. But knowing how humble and polite that Kojima is, he, he being a young hotshot, even with a 15-year-old career, he could have been like, you know, walking on cloud nine and shooting his mouth off. But he was nothing but graceful and diplomatic in the win, even though he knew that this was the the opportunity for him to become a megastar in the company. I, I would, if someone told me that, like, growing up, he, he actually liked watching maybe all Japan a bit more. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Like a lot of his offense is very similar to Satoshi, uh, to Kenda Kobashi with the chops and the lariats. There's a lot of similarities you could draw, like, you know, but you know, they could also say, Oh, he's, well, he's actually more like Kensuke Sasaki, which, you know, if someone said that, I wouldn't argue with that either. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I can imagine like it was a big deal for him to, to leave the comfort of new Japan pro wrestling to go to all Japan with Mudo. And that, uh, you know, kind of maybe get the, the approval of, like, you know, Kawada was very important for him. And maybe it, it, it raised his game. Like, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, when he was in New Japan at that time, before in, in the 90s, I, I, I saw something in him, but not enough where I thought he would become uh, a top-level main event world champion guy. Um, I didn't even think that of Tenzan. At the time, either like I thought it's going to be Nagata. Nagata's going to be ruling the mountain on his own. Like Nakanishi was always shit, so you know, like so I never thought Nakanishi was going to be a guy either. But I always thought Nagata was going to be someone. But like Tenzan Kojima, I thought there's potential, but I didn't see it at the time. It's not until he gets to to all Japan really, like it's like okay, this is it. And then he then he accomplishes the feat of being, I think, at that time the third person to win both the IWGP and the Triple Crown, but he did it. So the first was Tenru, but he, he did Triple Crown, then IWGP, then it's Mudo, who did IWGP, then Triple Crown, then it was it was Kojima, who is not a native-born all Japan guy, but he won Triple Crown first, and then he won the, the, uh, the, the, the IWGP. And uh, yeah, and then who, I think it was Takayama after him. Uh, wait, wait, compare, like, Kensuke later. Kensuke would be later. He doesn't win the Triple Crown until after he wins the IWGP. Um, so, yeah. 
So like, but he's part of, but Kojima is part of that rarefied group of the Grand Slam, as you mentioned before, which is not only the Triple Crown and the IWGP, but also the GHC Heavyweight title. So it's him, it's Mudo, it's Takayama, and it's Kensuke. It's rare verified. It's only four people in the history of wrestling. And I, I, I hope it stays rarefied. I don't want absolutely to, to, to get a chance. At winning. Like, I don't want that many. I don't think you're going to see too many people winning the, the triple crown now. Yeah. IWGP, you know, being a double kind of part of the, the, the double champion kind of thing. And absolutely. Chinese wrestling the grand slam. I don't, I, I can't imagine that happening ever again yeah or, or at least not i won't say ever again but like anytime soon so they've probably grand slammed the door shut for the time being for until like something like the 2000s happens again. yeah or like japanese turns back into like the early 2000s which is just a free-for-all you're not ready for that kazuchiko kata Noah run <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he's ready for that because i don't think he would want to go there unless he maybe asked tanahashi after, tanahashi i can see it tanahashi i can see like if he if he wanted to leave, I mean, he won't yeah, because he's won't. a company man, but, but like, if he did, he like, I, I'm surprised they never, I'm, you know, honestly, when he was like kind of jumping around places, like not jumping around, but like being able to work other places, like I'm surprised, yeah. you know, like you know, maybe there was a thought that he could do like a short run with the triple crown in all Japan at the time, put over Suwama for the belt. I don't know. Like I'm still waiting for that match with Jake Lee and Tanahashi. Let's be honest. That singles match, not not the Kanreki Sayat Korakuen Hall 60th anniversary. I want to. I want a one-on-one singles match. Well, you know, the rumors are. You know, is there any validation to the rumors out there about Jake Lee? Maybe, maybe we'll see it, but it won't. It will be under a New Japan banner, uh, which is neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, you know, Darren, thank you very much for for coming on. To, of course. Uh, do the long and winding road road, even though it's 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 not your wheelhouse, so to speak. But I, I hope you absolutely you, not you take a chance to kind of go explore previous episodes and check out the matches we've, we've talked about previously on on this show. And uh, yeah, but you know, Karen, like I said earlier, Karen's very busy, 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 sorry, very busy person. What have you been up to? <laughs> Tell us uh, some, uh, some things people can go search out. Um, you can follow me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Hey Karen Sensei. Uh, I do a lot of coverage over at postwrestling.com oh, covering funny. stardom, including this weekend's five star Grand Prix. I have to finish watching day two, or I just finished watching day two. I just got to finish my report now. Um, I will also be doing G1 coverage on the Post Wrestling Cafe. I am actually recording with John later tonight, and then I'm doing one more weekend wrap up on the 14th. Um, and then, yeah, if you happen to come across an October 2022 issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you can find my interview with one Hiroshi Tanahashi. That's awesome. Really great work there. And the August issue will have a Cyber Fight Festival recap with some of the interviews I did with Kojima, Keno, you know, no big deal. Just a couple, just a couple of people. What a, what a tie-in to this episode. <laughs> Upcoming uh, PWI issue, right? Yep, uh, the November 22 issue will be out in August. Okay, so keep an eye out for that, everyone. Uh, yeah, you can find me, uh, Post Wrestling, uh, on Line Road Road, this show, Post Perez, sometimes I do with Karen, uh, MCU later, got She-Hulk coming up, Way's going to be on Fraternity League, but uh, from Pro Wrestling Torch, Rich Fan is joining me to do co-hosting and... Uh, I think he's going to run the boards. Like I said, Rich, if you can learn how to run the StreamYard gimmick, you run the boards, baby. <laughs> and uh, 
you take basically he's gonna be he's gonna take over Way Studios. I'm gonna still do whatever I do on that show. And, so he's the tech guy. You're the voice guy. Uh, no, I mean he's also the voice guy too. You know, <laughs> he's gonna watch this. I can't I can't say anything bad about Rich. I know what I want to because he's I have so much respect for Rich. But we, we got that coming. We're gonna we're gonna we have She Hulk coming up. I, I think Karen's gonna be a guest on that show. In, I gotta in, keep uh, my streak one of, alive. One of the All the WH Park pro- projects. <laughs> <laughs> hey but it's not just like with me it's like she's she's doing stuff with way and john and 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 tons of other people somebody you, you just appeared on the super j cast with, with damon over there great, that was great a good time there. so he carries all over the place i i i i'm gonna be like you know i don't know i don't really get invited to go to other places so much oh <laughs> torch with rich and, and maybe some other podcasts coming up but uh but yeah, anyway, it's not a comp- we're not competing here. We're all friends. It's here. not a competition. It's yeah. a family. We're all friends here. But in- anyways, thank you everyone for for listening to the Long and Winding Road Road. I greatly appreciate everyone's support. Um, got some pretty cool people maybe coming up in the future before the end of the year. I won't say anything more than that till it actually materializes. But uh, yeah, we might even have some. Uh, we have some ideas for merchandise coming up. <gasps> We'll see. I don't know. More merchandise ideas? I love to see it. Morel, I'll I'll get some permission first. (laughs) Anyways, uh, until next time, though, everyone, thank you for supporting the show. Thank you, Karen. And on behalf of Karen, I'm going to say to everyone, talk to you later and goodbye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.